scary girl. Hi, everybody. Hey, everyone. I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this is Dead, Dead Time, Time Stories. <laughs> I think, are we both laughing at us? At the, la- the, right, at the lag, because we're recording remotely for the first time in a long time. <laughs> yeah, I was like, wow, that went on Cats a really Cats out of the bag. <laughs> Cats out of the bag. A weekly podcast where Sarah and I get together to talk about ghost stories, true crime, mysteries, cults, conspiracies, the supernatural, paranormal, or even just the generally weird, eerie, spooky, strange stuff that we want to talk about that week. Why is that, Sarah? Because it's our show and not yours. I feel like we still harmonized pretty well. We did. That was actually beautiful. Because it's in our bones. We just know. We know. We we're we're at almost 200 episodes. We just know. Almost. Almost. Yeah, we've already recorded our 200th episode. We did. Just so Some you of know. you were there. If this is your first time listening to the podcast, stop. Stop. Go back. Go back. Start from the beginning. Episode one. Grumble thorked in my mouth a little bit. But we had a live show for our 200th episode. It was so exciting. We did. It was two it was weeks a lim- ago. a limited engagement. It was intimate. Yes, it was. It was fun. It was really fun. Did we peak? Was that our peak? Did it happen? I don't think so. (laughs) Do you? Do you think that's our peak? No, I hope not. I hope we get to do another one. Maybe in 50 episodes, we'll do another one. At 250. Don't even wait another 100. Nope. Well, 250 is halfway to 500. I like that. Are we going to do this show till we die? Is there a, a name for that? The two hundred, the two hundred fiftieth, like the hundredth is like the centennial. The two um, hundredth is the bicentennial. Two fifty out of five. I don't know. Wouldn't. Mm, I don't know. I have no idea. Yeah. I don't know either. Oh well, listeners, you Google it. I'm not googling yeah. it right now. I'm not gonna Google it. Not right now. I googled something else today. Myself. Sarah, you've burned one. Have you burned one of our candles? I burned a candle last night or night yeah, before how last. Was it? it was good. It was one of the little baby ones, not a wood yeah, wick. I, I burned one of the little ones too. I don't have the jar to show you, but I burned it. It was nice. I I like candles fifty percent for the smell and fifty percent for the ambiance. So. Mm. The smell wasn't as strong when it was burning as some of my other candles. It's also little, and I had it in the living room. It's little, and it hasn't been a full two weeks, which is how long we're supposed to wait for them to cure. I waited almost a week. I think we burned it on Saturday, and you and I... We both waited a week, yeah, and the hot throw is not as, as much as I'd like it to be, but I'm blaming it currently on the fact that it hasn't cured for a full two weeks. Well, so I'll, I'll burn keep another burning one. this one and then burn more. Oh, yeah. I burned, the, I burned through it already. The whole thing. The little oh, one. Did? I already yeah, have I so many candles going, so I'm able to, like, rotate who's burning when. I have a few, but I'm just so excited to smell our candles. But, yeah, I'm trying to let them cure for another week. So this weekend will have been two weeks and I will burn one again. And maybe I'll be able to talk about it on our podcast when we record again this weekend. There you go. And I, um, I ordered some more fragrance oils today. More of some of the ones I've already ordered. 
uh, so that I can make more of that of those scents. And I would like to go to the candle supply store to buy more things to make more candles. Not to be confused with the candle shoppy. Not to be confused with the candle shoppy. Although I did say I was going to go to the candle shoppy and then clarified that I was not actually going to go to the ca- the candle shoppy in the Poconos, but I'm going to go to a candle supply store called Candles and Supplies in Quakertown. Candles and Supplies, parentheses, mm-hmm. Not the shoppy. Not the candle shoppy. Not the shoppy. I will Not say. Not that candle shoppy. <laughs> my friend Jake told me on Sunday that he had put on the podcast when him and his girlfriend were driving back from like Boston. And he said the first episode I made her listen to was the candle shoppy one. And there even as know. he was describing it, he just said candle shoppy. And I was like, candle yeah, shoppy. that's the way to say it. That's the that's right. That's how you say it. It's two P's and an E. It's the candle it's the shoppy. shoppy. Done. With their double scented candle shoppies. Oh my God. What if we got sponsored by the candle shoppy? What if we did? What if, what if the haunted we could sell Dead Time Stories candles in the candle shoppy? What would they smell like? Monkeys. Because it goes with the theme. I, no? Well, I half expected you to say ghost farts, but I will tell you. On a lot of the websites where I've been looking at like candle fragrances you can buy, there's a very popular fragrance called Monkey Farts. Interesting. So someone beat us to it. Uh, right. But I'm like, <laughs> if there was any scent that would be appropriate for a Dead Time Stories candle shoppy uh, crossover, farts. it would be Monkey Farts. Do they but sell it at also- the candle supply store? I just wonder, uh, I don't think that they do, but I just wonder what it's supposed to be the scent of, like if it's really supposed to smell like farts or if it's like monkey farts. It's like bananas and nuts, lol, (laughs) that's what monkeys eat. Bananas and vanilla with a little bit of cinnamon, and it's like, no, I wanted a steak I wanted to smell like a butthole. Like, sir. Eggs, hard boiled eggs in a sulfur plant. I don't want it to smell like that. With I don't want a little bit of wet dog. You know who would love that candle? Middle you. school boys. <laughs> Me and middle school boys. You I'm and middle, middle school, school boys. boys. Sarah's just a middle school boy, y'all. <laughs> no, that sounds bad. I don't hang I'm out with middle school kid, boys. I'm just a kid and life is a nightmare. You know Simple Plan was my favorite band in middle I, school. I, I, <laughs> Shocking. Like the whole wall next to my bed was all of those teen magazines with the simple plan pictures cut out and like literally from bed to ceiling, simple plan. There we go. I'm just a kid and my life is a and nightmare. Life is a nightmare. My life Ooh. is a nightmare. I hate I hate to make such an, an appropriate and inappropriate segue. Oh no. Is it I'm just an adult gonna, and my life is a That's nightmare. gonna lead really well into what I'm talking about this week. Oh, I'm ready. All right then. Well hey Stephanie. Hey Sarah. Hey, hey Leslie. Leslie. Y'all, Y'all ready, ready to, to talk, talk about, about some, some ghosts? ghosts? Y'all ready to talk about some ghosts? Let's segue so I'm into not it. talking about ghosts, but I am talking about um, being just a kid and life is a nightmare. Oh no! 
So my topic this week, I already told Sarah, but I'm going to tell you, listener, it's not, sometimes we talk about stuff that it's not really something to make jokes about. It's just something more to like bring light on the topic. And I learned a lot. I wanted to talk about my recent interest in the troubled teen industry. What do you know about the troubled teen industry? I have a feeling it's going to be really applicable. Like, I'm, is it going to trigger me? Am I going to be like, oh, no, I fell victim to that? I don't think so, but I think you're going to be like, I'm surprised. I was honestly like, I, I'm, I think Sarah would be like, wow, at least that wasn't that. But it felt pretty close. All right. Okay. Uh, more tell like, me more. I don't know then. I don't know. Is it? I don't know. I don't know. So the industry has been around for a long, long, long time, but it was really popularized in the late 90s and early 2000s with talk shows where it was like, my kid doesn't listen to me and I don't know what to do anymore. And then they were like, your kid's going, surprise kid, you're going to boot camp. No, yes. Yes, where they snatch you in the middle of the night and take you away. Yes. So that, you hit the nail on the head. That is a common recurring theme among these troubled teen schools and camps. So I don't think my parents ever actually threatened to do that to me, but I wouldn't be surprised if my mom told me that the thought crossed her mind. That's kind of what I mean when I was like, you're going to feel like I'm lucky I didn't go there, but like I was close. Like I wouldn't, I don't. I I don't know your mom incredibly well, but I wouldn't be shocked to find that your mom had, like, considered one of these programs. Yeah, to be honest. I'm so sorry, mom, if you're listening, but, like, I, it's fine. We're all adults now. It happened. Thank God you did it. I mean, you asked. <laughs> I mean, she didn't. At the end of the day, she didn't send she you did. to one of these programs, I as far as read, I know. As far as I know, unless I blocked it out. <laughs> <laughs> Is it all going to come back up? I'm going to be like, oh, no. Oh, That's where that year of my life went that I don't remember between 14 and 17. Uh, so just putting that out there to say that, like, the content that I'm going to talk about might be triggering for anybody who has been through any kind of program like that. One of these, like, scared straights or, like, sent to boot camp kind of situations. It's kind of similar to those, we've talked about those D.A.R.E. demonstrations and those Mothers Against Drunk Driving, where they, like, traumatize you to try to make you never drink. So that's the idea, too, is that these kids that were sent to these schools really were traumatized. Like, the idea was that they were, it's almost like a cult, right? Like, the idea is that they were really broken down. And they were like, we are going to break you down until you have no fight left in you. And you're going to do whatever it is that we need you to do that is going to end this happening to you is kind of the mentality that would go on there. Yeah, I feel like they talk about we're going to we're going to break you down and we'll build you back up. But they always seem to forget the build back up part. They just the build back up part and even the breaking down part. Remember, these are kids like the most of these schools are taking in children between the ages of 13 and 17. And the things that they're doing to them, at the end of the day, like, whatever kind of difficult kid or whatever, like, these children were traumatized, these children were brutalized, and 
All of them. I think at the time, like, the, the culture is very different now as well as, like, when these were really popular. But these still exist. And two of the schools I'm going to talk about today are still in operation, which shocked me. I was like, when did these schools close down? And the two that I'm going to talk didn't. about, they they both are still open. Yes. Wow. So, I mean, no, I knew that. I've There have been a few Reddit AMAs where people talk about yes. their experiences. I like read that. a little bit on Reddit as well, yeah, about some of these schools. <sighs> so I, I just want to say, like, ultimately, I think what it comes down to is kids that were sent here, like, maybe some of their parents knew they were sending them somewhere awful, but the majority of these parents, I'm sure, were desperate and were trying to do whatever they could think of to do to like quote unquote fix their kids but ultimately i think these kids were sent there because their parents like didn't know how to parent them period yeah Yeah. or i mean yeah 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 so one of the things that you mentioned that's a recurring theme is these kids being taken in the middle of the night so they had what they were called transporters and it was usually one man and one woman, both of whom would be, like, big, imposing, like, tough, muscular people who would snatch people up often in the middle of the night in bed and tell them uh, the line that they would hear a lot is, we can do this the easy way or we can do this the hard hard way. way. Yes. Meaning, like, you can come with us and get in this van and we're going to take you away or you can fight and we can hang, we can restrain you and handcuff you and you're either way you're coming with us. Ooh, that phrase has me. I have like goosebumps. <laughs> yes. I'm pretty, I definitely know that that was used on me as a child in punishment and discipline. Yes. So, right. Oh, it's like a, it. it is a chilling phrase. I it don't is a like chilling it. phrase. It's like exactly like I yeah. have a chill down my spine. Like I kind of want to cry. Like I want to, I'm going to bury that back down. Oof. I'm sorry. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's, that's usually where it starts. A lot of these schools are like, are doing like wilderness therapy. But when I say therapy and wilderness therapy, those are total quote fingers. Um, they may have at this point in time, some people with like psychological degrees or licenses, but that would be a new addition. Most of these places are just run by people who run school, like whatever, like they didn't have any specific certification or qualification to run these kinds of schools. And a lot of them, uh, if you could guess, I'll give you one guess. Uh, if you could guess which state do you think has a lot of these, like the, the, where do you think they're really popular? It's either Texas or Tennessee. Hmm. It's neither of those, but you're not terribly far off. But when I say it, you're going to be like, that makes sense. Utah. Oh. Utah is swimming with these kinds of schools. Utah is just swimming with places to murder and hide a body, period. Yeah. So I'm going to list some of the different things that people would experience going through there. Um, More common ones at the top, going down to, like, more serious, but, like, just different accounts that less common, I guess. Um, so like I said, these would be, uh, kids ages 13 to 17, a lot of girls, but not just girls. There were boys as well that talked about this. They were often stripped and cavity searched as soon as they got brought to 
the facility that they were going to. So these are, again, children being strip searched and cavity searched by grown adults, often grown men, even on these like 13 year old girls. They would be forced to take cold showers. Everything that they did was monitored. So mind you, they're taking showers in front of grown adults, going to the bathroom in front of grown adults. They had manual labor, sleep deprivation. There were often times where there was forced silence. So like they weren't allowed to talk to each other. Uh, verbal abuse, forcibly restrained. And there was one instance where a girl was talking about counselors. I don't know how far this went, but I was like, this is really awful. Uh, counselors forcing students to reenact sexual assault that they had experienced to try and like help them quote unquote get over it. Oh my gosh. Yeah. They had no access to phones. They like, you know, if you had a cell phone or whatever, that was taken away. That was a big no. Any sort of communication. So any mail that they were going to be sending or getting from their parents or any phone calls, all of that was monitored. So there was no like sending a letter saying like, mom, dad, this is what's happening. There were no phone calls where people weren't listening in on those phone calls. And the parents would be told, like, your children are going to try and manipulate you and they will say anything to try and get you to take them away. So, like, don't listen to them. So even if they said something on the phone that's like, I'm being beat every day, whatever is happening, the counselors would hang up that call and call the parent back and be like, hey, like, they're lying. don't listen to that. They're lying. Yes. What a great way to make sure that you never have a relationship with your child ever again. Yeah. Your child will never and there trust was you. No, there's no evidence of this, right? Like, because they don't really, they're not going to leave witnesses. They don't have security cameras. They don't, like, film any of this stuff. So you would never have proof that any of these things had happened. So one of the schools uh, that's come into light recently uh, and I was shocked of how I came to learn about this source, but it also like shed more light and made me more interested to learn more. So there's a school called Provo Canyon School. It was founded in 1971. It is still open. It's in Provo, Utah. So the first famous person that came out to speak out their experiences there was Paris Hilton. So Paris Hilton talked about her experience there in her documentary, This is Paris, in 2020. And she talked a lot about, like, how the trauma that she experienced there kind of put her into creating this, like, character that people know Paris Hilton as. Which, and that's what I know of Paris Hilton, right? This, like, ditzy blonde, rich, like, heiress girl who's, like, dumb and spoiled, whatever. Like, yeah. Right, exactly. And all of that was after her time at this school. And mind you, she was in dozens of different schools like this, and she would constantly try and run away and be kicked out and be sent to another school. And she said that Provo Canyon was the last school that she was sent to, and it was the worst school that she was sent to. But that, you know, she was young and, like, skipping school and doing normal, like, young, rebellious teen stuff. And her parents, who had a lot of money and were famous, were really, like, trying to protect their reputation, trying to keep her behavior, like, under wraps. And so she was sent to these schools to kind of save face for her parents. So she was sent to Provo uh, Provo Canyon School, and she spoke out about her 
experiences there. And she talked about it in her documentary and had other people from her experience there come and talk about it. And one of the things that stood out to me that I was really like, wow, that's wild, was they just, they mentioned seeing her on The Simple Life and her, you know, being really dumb. And one of the things she said was, like, she didn't know how to use a mop because she was just, like, so rich and spoiled. Like, she didn't know how to use a mop. And how the people that knew her from Provo were like, oh, that's bullshit because we had to mop at Provo. Like, I know that bitch knows how to mop. She had to, like, yes. (laughs) Like shit like, like she that. She was like, the oh, mop she girl. She uh that girl uh not only does she know how to use a mop, like I watched her clean a floor with a toothbrush. Like that girl knows how to clean. Like don't let her like, Don't let her fool you. But shit like that. Yeah. And I was like, wow, it's completely wild. And she was just talking about like how all of that was this like persona and this character that she was putting on to kind of deal with this trauma that she had experienced at Provo Canyon. So essentially she had developed this character as part of a coping mechanism to deal with like the trauma that she had experienced in these different, like, I I was going to say child labor camps, but really like essentially that's what they were. Yeah. Slash R. So the other school that I learned about was a school called Turnabout Ranch, which is also in Utah. They were founded in 1989, still open to this day. So the reason that they came to my attention is because (laughs) that is where uh, Bad Baby was sent. Do you know who that is? Yes. Are you kidding me? Cash me outside. How about that? Yes. So that's Cash Me Outside. That's Danielle Brigoli is her real name. So she came to popularity in 2016 when she was on Dr. Phil and she was the Cash Me Outside girl and she was sent by Dr. Phil to a school called Turnabout Ranch. So she has since come out to speak about her experiences at Turnabout Ranch, which is another one of these, you know, like scare them straight kind of schools. Beat them till they act right. Again, she was, whatever, a difficult kid. She was 13 years old, and she was sent to this school in 2016. This is in Escalante, Utah. So kids are sent there for any anything ranging from depression, ADHD, substance abuse, poor grades, defiance, rebellion, and low self-esteem. Oh my, are you serious? What is yes. this? A and psych ward from the 1800s where they'll put you in there for reading a book? So she talked about, oh, I did skip a part. Oh, I meant, to, let me, I don't know if you're going to cut this back in or whatever. Provo. There was a second person from Provo that I meant to talk about. Okay. So a second person came out after Paris Hilton's documentary to talk about her experience at Provo Canyon School. And that person was Kat Von D. Kat Von D was also sent to Provo Canyon School as a teenager. So when she was 15 years old, she was, you know, skipping school and she was already, she was already at that time, like learning to tattoo and tattooing with her friends. She was sent to Provo Canyon School. She was kept there for many, many months because she would get different like infractions for whatever and they would add time. But she said one of the worst things that was done to her is that she had been told after a blood test that she had contracted HIV 
from dirty needles from tattooing (gasps) when she was 15 years old. And she had not been, but they allowed her to believe that until after she left the facility and she had blood testing again and found out six months later that that was not true. That was one of the things that they told her to, like, scare her straight. That is so fucked. Yes. Oh, my god. She gosh. also said that at different times she had been forcibly sedated and restrained. Uh, and that that was commonplace there. No. So going back to Turnabout Ranch with um, that baby, Danielle Bergoli. So she, of course, like many other teens had mentioned, so she would strip search when she first got there. She wasn't allowed to talk to people. She talked about people being, like, held down. That happened a lot. And I saw that in Reddits where people were like, what if you just didn't do a thing? And everybody was like, that wasn't an option. Right. You learned not to not do the thing. And even if they didn't, like, hit you, which a lot of times they did, but even if they didn't, they would, like, pin you down, oftentimes with, like, a knee on your back, a knee on your neck, until you just agreed to comply to whatever was happening. So one of the things that she mentioned there, aside from, like, what happened to her, uh, so she heard over, like, a walkie-talkie at one point while she was there that somebody had murdered someone and escaped, I looked into that. Stop. And that's a real thing that happened while she was staying there. What? In 2016, an Arizona teen who, a lot of the details of the case were not released, but it is a real thing that happened. Because they're minors. An Arizona teen beat a staff member to death. The staff member was a 61-year-old man named Jimmy Woolsey. So he beat the staff member to death and stole his car keys in an attempt to escape. He couldn't get the car to start. So he found another staff member named Alicia Keller. He hit her over the head and beat her hands until she gave up her keys. He stole her car and he led the police on a high speed chase until they were able to get him basically to have an accident where he had minimal injuries and he was taken into custody. And that happened while um, Danielle was staying there. And she heard part of it over the walkie-talkie. And she talked about even that was traumatic. Yeah, how are they still allowed to stay open if they've had a murder on the premises? Like, if you pushed a kid so far that a kid murdered a 61-year-old man with his bare hands... Right, they don't say what he beat him with. Yeah, they don't say, like, what the weapon was. Well, it was bare hands, him. but we don't know where he got the bare hands. Uh, so both of those schools, both Provo Canyon School and Turnabout Ranch, are both still open to this day. And this is still a thriving industry. I hate that. I do, too. I was shocked to read that both of them are still open. Both of them. But they're one of of hundreds. Yeah, I was like, I see even I even see shit on TikTok, kids talking about it. And it's all the thing of like I I went out with my parents for dinner and was wondering why they were acting so standoffish and weird. It's because at three o'clock that morning I was gonna get taken. Yeah. By these strangers. And there yeah, so many of them are they came to get me in the middle of the night, dragged me out of bed, said we can do this the easy way or the hard way. Yep. It's just like this, 
You don't have to bully kids into behaving. Just fucking talk to them. So, and that's the thing. I was like, oh, I would hope that a lot of these parents would send their kids to therapy. But uh, in the case of Kat Von D, like, it was a therapist who recommended it to her parents. Uh, yeah. So. I just, that's like. That's my story. I'm sorry it's not funny. Yeah, it's just frustrating. But I did find it really, like, I found it really, like, shocking, and I was, I I mean, I was shook. Shooketh. Shooketh. Shocked and shooketh. Yeah. But yeah, I, I mean, like, I googled those, those schools are both, I went to their website, I found, like, they're like, you got a kid to snatch? They're like, yeah, we take financial, we take financial aid, yeah. Send your kids here, man. You want to get your kid on a full ride scholarship? We've got psychologists here now. <laughs> now, now, right? Now. Ugh, gross. Sarah, Jesus what are you talking gross. about this week? Um, well, I'll lighten it up just a smidge with a good old fashioned ghost story. I'm into it. You ready? It's yeah. short, but I think it's good. So the year. 1863. The location, Colorado. Specifically, Little Fountain Creek in Dead Man's Canyon. Okay. Why is it called Dead Man's Canyon, you ask, Stephanie? I'm sure you'll tell me. No, we're actually talking about somewhere else. Um, Oh, okay. (laughs) Treated like that Ghost Adventures episode where Zach is like... They had serial killers and plague, all because they pushed this woman's body over the cliff. Now onto something completely different. And right, you're like, what? Wait, what? Dead Man's Canyon. Named after our dead man, William Harkins. William Harkins. William Thomas Deadman. Ugh. That was what he was known <laughs> posthumously. Deadman. That was his last name. It's Deadman. Deadman. William Harkins, he was the local Sawyer, not like we know Sawyer, but like a one-man Are you sure? Yes. Are you sure? I'm pretty sure. Um, No, he's like the one-man lumber mill of the town. Like, you need wood, he got wood. How much wood could a Sawyer wood if a Sawyer Sawyered wood? (laughs) I don't have an answer. I don't even know. All right. All right. Not much because uh, William Harkins woke up dead one morning in March of 1863. Well, it's less that he woke up dead and more that a Mexican gang buried an axe in his forehead and then shot him twice. The whole gang? (laughs) Yes. So it was. The whole gang put one axe and two bullets in him? Yeah. So he was approached by a gang. And they okay. decided they were like, we're going to work together. And so each How of them How many people put a makes hand. a gang? I think it's only five or six. I'm going to get into the gang. Okay. <laughs> I was like, does three, ma- does three make a gang? I don't think uh-huh. so. I think three's just a crowd. <laughs> <laughs> I thought three was company. <laughs> no, that's a musical. The gang, I believe five, we're thinking five. So one of them, one of them threw the axe or sunk the axe in his head. I didn't realize we were going to get into the logistics of how I'm this so, happened. I'm so I sorry. I just didn't write it down. One of them 
you know, one of them did the ee ee So somebody axed him, and at least one, possibly two of them shot him, because he got shot twice. And they said that he, you know, he got axed in the forehead, and then he, like, stumbled around a little bit, like, with blood gushing up out of the sure. wound, but he wasn't dead yet. And so they he were didn't like... shave and go downstairs and do the dishes. And do the and dishes do and the write a write a check and stuff after his son oh did that to him. No, he did not. He did oh not. Oh my God. No. That's one of the wildest stories you've ever told on here. Isn't that insane? Since we're, since we're coming up to 200 and we're like remembering stuff. I know. That was that the one, Christopher like, Portka. Just how long <laughs> And not only that, but you remember his mom didn't die and then his, his mom, mom took his side at the trial. His at the trial. For him. She was like, oh, I just must have remembered it wrong. Don't send my son to jail. It wasn't him. It could have been any white boy. It could have been anybody. Yeah. What do I know? I had blood in my eyes. What do I, I don't remember anything that happened. <laughs> I was all fucked up in the head. Like, literally. What do I know? <sighs> and he walked outside, got locked out Still knew where to find the key to put him back inside, all while gushing from this traumatic head and face wound. But not this guy that you're talking about today. He got the axe and the two bullets. He got the one axe right in the skull. They didn't pull it back out. It is in the skull. It's like a Looney Tunes cartoon, except it's not. It's real life, and he is stumbling around, axe in his forehead. It's like dangling all over the place. And they said, "Okay, well, you know, let's hit him once." Slipping still in the blood like Catherine Peterson. <sighs> Maybe. The owl I don't know. Attack. And then an owl came down. The owl actually yeah, so fired the, owl. the second so the, shot. I was gonna <laughs> 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 See, I was, I was going to ask if the owl is the one who had the axe or if the owl is the one who had the gun. <laughs> The owl did the finishing shot. It was actually, when I said it was a Mexican gang, it's a Mexican gang of owls. Gang of <laughs> owls, I should have clarified. <laughs> okay, so one gang, axe, one two axe, bullets. Two bullets, one dead guy. One cup. No. Oh. The Bloody Espinozas is what they were known as. It was a Mexican oh, gang. Oh, shit. That's a really cool gang name, though. Right? That's a really cool gang the name. The Bloody Espinozas. The Bloody Espinozas. Uh, a Mexican gang of brothers who were out for revenge for the death of their family members and loved ones during the Mexican-American War. So they were just like, we're pissed and fuck you. We're what going year around. was this? 1863. Okay, you did say that. Mm-hmm. Some some accounts that I read online described them as being religious fanatics, but I don't think that's right. I think someone heard that somewhere and was like, that sounds better. I think that this was a group of men who were mad that they lost the war and that so many people they loved died that they were like, we're just going to go sure. through. We're going to kill white men one man at a time. <laughs> hey, I get it. <laughs> If I hadn't uttered that <laughs> phrase at least once a week, like, you got to make sure I'm still alive. <laughs> so they showed up on William's doorstep that fateful day in March. And after he gave them a snarky snark remark, they killed him. So they showed up. Mm-hmm. Legend says they showed up at his doorstep and they were like, you got any food in there for us? And he said, oh, I got two eggs and bacon and grits, but I ain't got nothing for you. And probably threw a slur in there. Let's be honest. I was going to say, yeah, he probably threw a slur in more. And so they were not. like, jokes on you. We're going to kill you. So they killed him. Yeah, sure, sure. They robbed his house. I'm so sorry. Trigger warning. They killed his dog. 
And then they took his www.doesthedogdie.com. Yes. Yes. And Dead Man's Canyon, it's Dead Man and Dead Man's Best Friend. Dead Dog's Canyon as well. Dead Man's Best Friend. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. I love that, though. That's good. But Mr. William Harkins never left the area, and he never figured out how to get that axe out of his forehead. He now guards his land, axe in head, with a piss-poor attitude, and will chase (laughs) away anyone who stumbles onto his property. So legend has it, if you walk on his property, you could very well have William Harkins, axe flopping in the wind, chase after you. He runs. I don't like that. I don't like it either. And he's in a bad mood. Like, ugh. Over the years, many people have crossed paths. Right? Over the years, many people have crossed paths with old Axe Head Willie. It's said that those who are too slow to get away from him will be yanked from their horse. And sometimes tossed into the creek. He'll just snatch you right off that horse and yeet you right into the creek. You're skirt and yeeted. By this man with an axe in his forehead. Wow. Freighters, so people traveling, bringing goods, etc., whose routes required them to go through the region, would cut a wide path around the canyon rather than subject themselves to the grisly, grumpy specter. On a number of occasions, the riders being attacked by said grumpy ghost would shoot at him only to see their bullets whiz right through him. Or worse... Sometimes they would actually shoot themselves uh, or sometimes accidentally shoot their horse, like in the ear as they're trying oh, to hit no. Or they'll sh- they're, one person shot themselves in the foot. www.doesthehorsedie.com No, but he gets his ear pierced. <laughs> now he's the coolest horse in the stable with his gold ring in it. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I just went, I just wanted something new. Flicks his head back. And they're like, which ear is the gay ear? <laughs> He's like, uh, <laughs> not this one. <laughs> However, in 1884, this polter bully. Instead of poltergeist, he's a polter bully. Yeah. I'm, I is like a, my puns. I mean, but is a geist a word all by itself? No, but why is it swapping? He's a polter bully. I'm going to edit in a laugh. I'm going to pick one of your laughs from an old episode. What about a a bully turgeist? A broltergeist? A bully turgeist. You think that's better? (laughs) I feel like, because you connect the letter. You got to collect, like connect a sound or something. I don't know. Yeah, I think Bully Turgeist is better than Polter Bully. I like Polter Bully. Well, this Polter Bully picked the wrong victim. (laughs) A woman named Mrs. Wyatt and her grandson were on the walk back to her grandson's house. Along the way, they stopped near Grumpy Will's cabin to pick a bouquet of flowers. (laughs) Oh, Grumpy Will! Grumpy Will! You know, he's so mad because he's got that axe in his forehead. And all them teeth in his mouth and no toothbrush. Uh, <laughs> along the way, they stopped near Grumpy Will's cabin to pick a bouffle. Bouffle. A bouffle. A bouffle. 
of flowers for the boy's mother. Right on cue. This asshole decided to pop his axe head out of the bushes and subsequently scared the poor child, making him cry. Well, Grandma Wyatt doesn't play that game. She don't take shit from no bullies. She grabbed the small writing quip, which is just a small writing whip, like she had a small whip with her. Sure. And she started beating the shit, just like, whap, 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 Good for her. Don't you scare my grandbaby. And I read that she was began to beat that ghost to his second death, yelling, You <laughs> buzzard! How dare you scare a baby like that? I'll be back through here later, and if you bother me, I'll give you the what for again. Whap, whap. Now get out of here! Good for her. And even though William was an asshole, he was not dumb. And so he left. But it was only after he disappeared... <laughs> Did Grandma Wyatt even realize he was a ghost? Oh, and shit. She was like, he had yeah, an axe right. in he his had head. an axe in his head. Yeah. He had an axe in his head. Since I just the imagine late- the police were like, describe him. And she's describing him. She's like, oh my God. Oh my God. He had an and axe. And now in that his I head. think about it, he had an axe <laughs> in his head. And now that I think about it, I like that. Since the late 19th century, the sightings of him have been far fewer in number. Because he took Aww. the hint from Grandma Wyatt to yeah, stop his she bullshit. was like, get the fuck out of here. And he was like, okay, her. Right, you're bet. right. Sorry. Though they are still occasionally reported. Investigators who go into the area usually report feeling like they're being watched and experiencing crazy drops in temperature, like a sudden drop of 15 degrees. Maybe our resident bully ghost has finally accepted his fate. Or maybe he just can't find his way back to his land because his remains were dug up in 1965 and moved a short distance away to make room for a new highway route 115 that goes straight through his old property damn so remember if you're wandering around through dead man and dead man's best friend canyon be sure to bring a riding whip and don't take no shit from no bully ghost Okay. And that's my story. Work. And I want to say most of my sources I got were from a book. So, you know, it's a lot of legend. Probably a lot of it's embellished. But the book is called Haunted Old West. Phantom Cowboys, Mm. Spirit-Filled Saloons, Mystical Mine Camps, and Spectral Indians by Matthew P. Mayo. Now, Matthew published this book in 2012 so he should have known better and called them native americans but that's where i got my source yeah where is he from at somewhere i'm surprised he didn't call them engines oh because it was 2012 and his publisher was even like you can't Mm-mm-mm. He's Don't like, oh, it's Old West. And they're like, no, it's Old West, not racist. We'll give you Indian, I guess. I guess. Ugh, I hate it. Yeah, that's not okay. fun. But that book had a fun name. The chapter that he wrote about good old Willie Harkins and his axe in his head was interesting. And that's, that's my a fun story. story. Well, I liked it. Isn't that fun? Isn't that, isn't isn't that, that fun? funny? <laughs> isn't that funny? <laughs> you know that's been on my mind recently actually oh all right y'all well, i want to thank you so much for listening to our podcast thank you so much you know that there are many many ways you can support us 
We have our Patreon that you can check out and subscribe to to give us mun muns. We've got merch on our website, deadtimestorieswithaz.com. But there are lots of free ways that you can support us as well, like emailing us at deadtimestories at gmail.com or by leaving us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or anywhere where you listen to podcasts. That's it. And we are T-minus one more episode away from the 200th. Yeah, next week's 199, and then the week after that, you guys are going to get our 200th episode, if you can fucking handle it. It was it was a good time. It was a really good time. I have a feeling it's going to be a little bit of a bitch to edit. I was going to say, I can't wait to hear what it sounds like audio-wise. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. We're going to find out. I'm excited, though. Anyway, I'm Stephanie. And I'm Sarah. And this has been Dead Time Stories. Thank you for listening. Dead Time Stories is hosted by Sarah Heddens and Stephanie C. Ferguson. Music and editing by Eric Gershnow. Artwork by Rennie Slackman.